Welcome to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast with your host, Audrey McLaughlin. Hey friends, welcome to season three of the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Audrey. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the community. Uh, I'll just do a quick introduction. I'm an equine naturopath, equine nutritionist, and equine energy medicine practitioner. And this is our first episode of season three. So welcome. So my goal for this season is to do more than an average of one to two podcasts a month. I'd like to get back into doing them weekly. The problem is time. My one-on-one clients and group programs take up, you know, those are those are priority, right? So I'm going to do the best I can because this gives me a little bit longer form content in order to really dive a little bit deeper and explain things in a better way. And I know that we are often telling people on TikTok, oh, hey, you know, I'll do a podcast about that. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to kick off this uh, season with an Ask Audrey episode. So I've got a bunch of questions that you guys have submitted, and that way we can really dive in to, you know, the, the, the answers more than a 60-second soundbite somewhere. Our first question comes in from the Northwest. Uh, they didn't say I could use their name, so I'm not going to use their name, but they're asking about hormones for stallions and geldings. Um, you know, she says that we often talk about mares and their hormones and all the issues that go with it, but what about stallions and even geldings? What kind of hormone issues do they have? Should we be doing something to support them? And then she goes on to give a story about a gelding that she has, a young horse, less than five years old, that is really sensitive, really moody, really anxious, and has very stallion-like behavior. She wants to know what she can do to help. So there's a couple of different things. Number one, we have to understand, well, number one, you're absolutely correct, Um, Miss Ma'am from the Northwest and your stallion or your gelding that has stallion tendencies. uh, You're absolutely correct. Male horses, geldings and stallions, stallions in particular, um, can have hormone imbalances just like mares. In fact, uh, stallions are probably, you know, well, stallions are more predisposed to it than a gelding per se, obviously, because they're still intact. But geldings can have those problems as well. But the geldings hormones come from their adrenal glands. So they're in a much lower dose, but they can still be out of balance from um, testosterone to estrogen. And yes, male horses have estrogen, just like male humans have estrogen. So the couple things we need to look at when we're looking at the symptoms that you described, we're looking at things like environment, training schedule, uh, overall stress and traumatic stress. We're looking at things like environment. Is that horse allowed to be a horse or whether it's a stallion or a gelding or is that horse in a stall 24 hours a day, a a 10 by 10, 20 by 20, even 30 by 30 or 40 by 40 box all day long indoors? Or does that horse have room to run and be with other horses and have freedom and forage and friends, right? The three F's. So that is one huge aspect into, you know, a horse behaving in a moody, anxious uh, way. Environment, having those basic horse needs met. Now on the second, the flip side of that, more of the the practitioner clinical answer that you're looking for. um, Yes, those horses can have hormone imbalances. Yes, there are things we can do for it. First thing we want to do is probably put them on a probiotic. Why? Because those little <laughs> bacteria, good guys and bad guys in your horse's gut determine how that what that horse's attitude is, what they feel like on the emotional, energetic and physical level. So that is critical. We don't want to keep them on a probiotic for very long. For some horses I'd recommend 30 days, some 60, some 90 days depending on their history. 
I don't have enough information to tell you which one they are, but somewhere between 30 to 90 days. Um, the second part of that is starting them on some kind of hormone balancing herb. So you might try, um, I believe it's called Stallion Fertility from Silver Lining Herbs. You might try Balance Stud from 24c.com. Both of those are beautiful herbal products and they have, um, you can use code Audrey to get 10% off of either one of those. Uh, they are kind of competing companies, but um, I like the 24 Carats company better for some things. Particularly, I like their Balance Stud better if you have a gelding. I also like it for studs. Um, Silver Lining Herbs, I typically only reserve for actual stud and stallion fertility issues. Often kind of to add a, a different layer of healing here or to help remind the horse's body of how it's supposed to work. I like to weave in homeopathics. Um, there's one in particular that I like called Calm 5. It's a company called Energetics. And I would have to write you a quote unquote recommendation or an actual quote unquote prescription from it. You can only buy that from practitioners. Uh, and it's actually not even for horses. I use it a lot in my human practice. Um, but the Calm 5 is part of the, it, it, it includes five traditional uh, flower essences and they are for stress. Um, so sometimes depending on what's going on, we'll either use Calm 5 or Fields of Flower um, to remind, it's a homeopathic, it reminds the body how to deal with the stressors, how to deal with hormone fluctuations, particularly cortisol and insulin. And then the herbal supplements from 24C or Silver Lining Herbs nourish the body and provide the fuel in order for it to, to perform the way it should. Hopefully I'm making sense here. Um, another thing you can consider are adaptogens. There's a number of companies out there that have adaptogens for horses. Uh, one in particular that comes to mind is Yuck It Up. Uh, they have a number of different uh, adaptogenic herbal blends that can be used in conjunction with this. Now, Again, we have to address the environment, both the external environment and the internal environment of the horse. So don't forget that important step of making sure they have the three Fs, they're getting plenty of movement, and that we're taking care of the horse's internal environment with uh, a probiotic. Um, all of this obviously is assuming that this horse is already on a complete anti-inflammatory forage diet. And we know um, that they are that they have all of their nutritional needs met as well. Uh, a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you know, my horse, they got, you know, this or that or the other when I change their feed, they really calm down. And sometimes they calm down because they're undernourished, right? So it's it's really important to to consider all of those aspects. All right. Hopefully that answered your question. I'm always here if you have more questions, so don't hesitate to reach out. All right. Our next question comes from Bree. Bree wants to know, what do I think of esomeprazole for, or esomeprazole magnesium for horses? Um, so in short, I think it can be an effective treatment when standard omeprazole doesn't work. Um, but just like anything else, it's only masking the symptoms, right? So we don't want to keep a horse on either one of those drugs for a long time, even though it might be necessary in the short term in order for that horse to heal, depending on how severe the ulcers are. I recommend everyone start with the, uh, ulcer tea. If you suspect ulcers, uh, I recommend everyone check the ulcer signs, right? There are acupressure points that you can assess for the signs. And I, I, I believe if a horse is positive with those signs that minimally you should treat them for um, herbally for ulcers and then obviously change their diet. Uh, none of this matters if you're still feeding them a concentrated processed feed product full of 
canola and soy and grain and all of those molasses, sugars, all of those things. Um, But assuming that they're already on a complete forage diet, and if you're wondering what the forage diet is, I have linked uh, in the show notes of every episode, you can grab my quick and dirty forage guidebook that will help you to uh, formulate a forage diet all on your own. If you want more details, right, on how to apply it to your specific horse, or if you are a boarding barn uh, manager, or if you own a boarding barn, or if you take care of a lot of horses, how to apply it to different horses, then I would suggest doing my uh, equine nutrition for horse owners class, which Uh, This episode is coming out on Friday, February 16th. If you hear this before Friday, February 18th at midnight, um, you can use code HEARTHORSE to save 40%. I'm running a little Heart Horse sale for Valentine's week, um, and you can save 40% on that. Also, if you snag the ulcers class, which is, I don't know, 35 or so dollars, it's not very expensive, that class is being updated. So you'll get the current version, and then you'll get to attend the live version at no extra charge when the newer version comes out. It'll have tons more resources, um, and so the price will be going up just a smidge, uh, so you might check that out as well. Again, all of that is linked in my bio. But back to using medications like omeprazole, even esomeprazole, uh, the esomeprazole magnesium for horse ulcers. Again, in the short term, for really severe cases that don't respond to natural treatment and diet change, then yes, we don't want the horse to continue to suffer. It causes uh, you know, a, a whole cascade of symptoms if you allow the horse to continue to suffer with the ulcers. However, if you keep a horse on a medication like that for a long time and you don't take the necessary steps after treatment in order to make sure we don't have a recurrence of ulcers, then it doesn't matter, right? You're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and we shouldn't be um, you know, utilizing those methods regardless. Now, I will say, I think acupressure assessment for ulcers is just fine. If you are going to treat with medication, however, I would want that uh, the horse not to have responded to natural medications or natural herbal remedies and to have an actual positive scope. Okay. Hopefully that helps. All right. The next question is anonymous and it says, can you please look at a product by Horse Tech? It's called High Point grass hay. And then they included the link. So high point products uh, or horse tech products, I should say, they have different high point alfalfa, high point grass hay, all that kind of stuff. Um, They can be appropriate for some horses. I would never use this product on a metabolic horse, on an insulin resistant horse, on a horse with a history of laminitis or founder. They list ingredients that seem okay on the surface. Um, the ones that I don't like in their product include dried whey, although it's low down, it's like low in the ingredients list. So it's a small portion of it. Uh, natural flavorings, that's always hiding something, right? And then uh, the natural mixed tociferols, usually that would be a vitamin E, uh, but I'm not sure why they are including that and the actual D-alpha tociferol vitamin E. So that's a little suspect as well. Now, the reason why I wouldn't recommend it for a horse that has ever, ever, ever showed any signs of being metabolic, insulin resistant, uh, any of those things is because I suspect there is something in there that is making it palatable that is not listed in the ingredients. Uh, And the reason why I suspect that is because I've had clients who use it for their horses because it seems to be, uh, in fact, it is $10 less expensive than say Vermont blend. And so they'll say, Hey, Audrey, can I use it? I'm like, let's give it a shot. And I've had horses with nothing else changed, revert back to being laminitic, 
I've had horses that suddenly their insulin is uncontrollable. And the only thing that we have changed is the mineral, right? And so if it's just a mineral, it should not be happening. So keep that in mind. Um, But overall, for your average healthy horse that is not metabolic, it's probably just fine. You want to make sure that you are balancing those minerals to the horse uh, is the best option to the hay is the second best option. Up next, I have a couple of questions that are kind of around the same thing, talking about excess iron. One question is, what if my horse gets excess iron due to uh, water? The horse hydrate does not last long. It could cost thousands to redo the watering system. Yes, it could. Um, but I have some solutions for you. And then another question is kind of along the same line uh, regarding the, the effect that rusty water or iron-rich water has on horses. Um, and the effect is not good. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so particular about iron in feed and feed supplements and uh, and even water supplies. So when we have an overabundance of iron, particularly uh, iron that is non-bioavailable, so thinking of like the iron oxide that is in all of these feed products, um, but even when we have too much iron that is bioavailable, too much iron in the water, too much iron from natural sources in the pasture, even too much iron that they're getting from their forage sources, depending on how they were grown. What happens is, is that you get an excess accumulation of iron into the soft tissues. The horse takes in too much iron or iron that the body doesn't recognize as iron that's not bioavailable. And then it's shuttled out into the tissues because the body has to keep a really tight rein on the iron that is in the blood, right? So what ends up happening is you get excess iron accumulation in the liver, and that has physical and energetic impact. You get excess iron accumulation in joints and muscles and in soft tissues, And that contributes or causes arthritis, liver dysfunction, hypertension, and can create insulin resistant and metabolic patterns through pancreatic dysfunction as well. It really, really is a huge, huge problem. It's a huge problem in the horse industry. I don't know why everybody puts iron in their supplements. There's very few horses that actually need any additional iron than what they get from the environment. So One of the earliest, earliest symptoms of iron overload is joint pain. Iron overload increases the risk of degenerative tendon and ligament issues. um, And it's a very, very uh, classic pattern, if you will, of pain around the joint, of bone proliferations, um, particularly um, similar to ring bone. So a lot of times horses that have ring bone just have too much iron, right? Since um, iron deficiency is typically uh, unrelated to, unless it is an iron deficiency that is caused by blood loss, it has never actually been found in an adult horse. So you always, always, always want to avoid iron. And you also don't want to be giving your horse a crap ton of vitamin C or rose hips if your horse is overloaded with iron. This is absolutely critical. Did you know that approximately 50% of DSLD horses Uh, have iron overload? Now, what do we do about it? That's a great question. So this is one of the reasons why I like to test and not guess, particularly before putting a horse on a supplement that might contain more iron than it has to. So there's multiple different types of iron as I've kind of touched on, but there's intrinsic iron, meaning iron that exists in all the things, right? And there's extrinsic iron that is iron that is added or added iron might be a better way to say than that. Um, But how do we prevent it? We diligently read labels. We diligently look at the amount and ingredients of things that are that we're feeding our horses. 
we test our horses with the minerals, metals, and main tests to see if they have high iron or not and to see that iron go down. Um, sometimes it goes down really, really quickly. Sometimes it takes a little while for the body to process through that. Uh, this past week, I had a client who uh, was on a four-month retest for their horse that had extremely high iron, and we had only cut that rate down by about 50% over four months because it's a 24-year-old horse. It's going to take it a little bit more time to process through uh, getting that excess iron out, but the horse was improving day over day. Now, if the water is coming, if the iron is coming from your water, that's a little bit trickier situation. You can spend tens of thousands of dollars on fancy filtration systems. What I would suggest doing to start, uh, because as one of the questions submitted said, you know, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars to redo their whole watering system. What I would suggest is an inline water filter. Okay. So you can get an inline water filter that is like a reverse osmosis system. Those can be far less than a couple thousand dollars and they connect directly into your water line. Uh, I often recommend to my clients an inline water filter that I recommend off Amazon. Is it going to completely eliminate the iron? No, but will it cut it down dramatically? And depending on how much iron in your wa- is in your water, it may eliminate it completely, but um, it'll cut it down. An inline water filter uh, from Amazon and it's meant for like an RV or an LQ horse trailer and it connects to the water hose end or the faucet end and the trough end of the water hose. So if you don't have a water hose connected to a, a float on a water trough, if you don't fill your, your, uh, your water by hand, you might have to get a little bit creative of where to put it in the water line between wherever the water comes from, whether it's the city or a well and where your, where your horse gets it from. But there are ways to do it. So don't let a salesman come in and sell you this $10,000 water system and tell you that's the only way because it's not. We can do lots of things to cut it down. Now, on the flip side of that, from like a supplemental side, we're going to have to do some things to support the horse's body. We can use some homeopathics to do that. Uh, in addition, that horse is going to need more copper zinc than your, your standard horse. So it might look like doing a standard forage diet with a standard mineral and adding a copper zinc on top of that. So hopefully that helps. We are about out of time for this Q&A episode. I'm so glad you're joining me for season three. I can't wait for all the good stuff coming up. Uh, coming up the next episodes, we're going to start talking about springs coming up. What do we need to be doing to get ready for spring and to transition out of this winter season into having a healthy, happy, prosperous spring and summer season with our horses. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. We'll catch you in the next episode.